It's Sunday, May 5th, and you are listening to In the Wheelhouse. ITW is a spontaneous discussion between two old friends on the Chicago Cubs and other baseball-related topics. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. Today on ITW, CC Savanthia reaches a major career milestone. More key players are heading to Illinois. The Cubs are accused of pressuring sports writers to lay off of Addison Russell, who is also sent to AAA. Kyle Hendricks tosses a Maddox, all that and much, much more. Tom, we got a lot of rain this week. Uh, did, it, did it stay out of your basement? Not really. Not really. Oh, it's, uh, we got a little bit, but it wasn't as bad as it, as, as it could be. But at one point, the whole street was on uh, don't flush your toilets. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. That's serious. Yeah. It right. was so bad out here, I had to wear my floaties. I mean, it was, uh, you know. I <laughs> yeah, mean... well, I, I live near a school, so I grabbed a couple of fat kids myself. <laughs> but, I mean, like, like over here, I live near the Des Plaines River, and mm-hmm. uh, that river gets Des Plaines. so... Des Plaines. Des Plaines. Des Plaines. And the river gets so flooded, you know, yep. the roads get closed, and it gets impossible to go west. Getting to work was really tough. But, yeah. but but this is also compounded by the fact that my wife has been out of town, and uh, just it, it's been crazy over here at the Fontana House. Well, you're so you're in in charge of everything then. I'm in charge of everything. I'm on call and getting the kids dinner, and and I just don't have the energy for it. So God let me from, ask you, let me ask you a question. When does she do back? Oh, she's back now. She got back Friday night, very late. She went on a field trip to Springfield with her students. Well, so the, was, the, reason, the reason why I asked that is if she got back very late, you said on Friday, then I'm, ima- I'm imagining what the mad dash must have been Thursday to clean the house up. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Actually, you know what? We were just, we were all just completely fried. And how many times did I take the kids, you know, out for pizza right. instead of actually cooking for them? But there were all these things I had to do. I had to go to this ice cream social at my daughter's school. There were just all these events that I had to rush home and... You know, it was crazy. It it's was called crazy being week. a dad. It is. It's called being a dad. That's so, right. So, so my wife was out of town, too, and she's out of town right now, um, up at our place in Michigan, kind of opening it up for the summer. As uh, right. we've discussed in the past, we had a major flood about two months ago. So our cabin was completely rebuilt. And uh, I've been seeing pictures of it, and I just can't believe how uh, good it looks. It's like, <laughs> like this major calamity occurred, and we actually benefited from it. Yeah, the place yeah. is actually but, better now than it was prior to the calamity. But sometimes, sometimes it works out that way. Now, yeah, yeah, exactly. now, now, yesterday was the uh, Kentucky Derby, and yeah. you kind of got hosed a little bit here. Well, based it, on... I, everybody got hosed in regards to uh, maximum security being disqualified, which, by the way, I watched the race live, and I was like, hey, I'm pretty sure that horse is not supposed to go in his lane like that. So, yeah, right. Oh, so you oh, saw the infraction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it live going, hey, you know, he's basically yeah. cock-blocking this guy, this horse, which was War of the Will. And War of the my point was War of the Will was surging at that very moment. Yeah. That put the stop on, on that horse, and that he finished out of the money. The, the implications of that move by uh, maximum security – felt hit more than just the winning horse. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I bet on War, War of the World or whatever, War of the Will. And I also bet on uh, what's the other, by my standards. But yeah. uh, I was a little disappointed. I thought one of my two horses had finished in the money, which would have made me some money, but it, I guess it was. And it took forever for them to make the ruling, too. They, they didn't have an official ruling till like a half an hour later. Well, it, right, right, exactly. There was that. But there's also another issue at play, which most people that bet on horses don't take into consideration. And that is when the track goes to mud, you know, with an hour before post time, that changes everything in in the reality, because you have to then defer to the horses that are the best in the mud. And and it wasn't it wasn't the way it was laid out, even though maximum security probably was the best horse of the crowd, as it turns out, as it turns out. Yeah. No, it was really interesting, and it was. It was one of the sloppiest tracks I'd ever seen, and, and, and just anything can happen when it's like that, and, and, and a 65-to-1 shot uh, wins. So. Right, right, right. Oh, well, all right. So let's move on to baseball, uh, and we'll begin with C.C. Sabathia, the left-handed pitcher from the New York Yankees. He got his 3,000th strikeout. He's the 17th pitcher and only the third left-hander to, to reach 3,000 strikeouts, yes. And of the other 16 pitchers, 14 of them 
are in the Hall of Fame with Kurt Schilling and Roger Clemens accepted. Uh, what I wanted to ask you is, do you think C.C. Sabathia is a, a Hall of Famer? There's no question that he's a Hall of Famer. And the yeah, reason is, is because if you use the low water mark, which in my opinion is Jack Morris, um, love Jack Morris as a Tiger fan, but when I look at his numbers and his, you know, his 43 uh, win above replacement and his 254 yeah. wins, I'm like, how did you make the Hall? I know you're a three-time world champion and you pitched very well on the big stage, but just from a metric standpoint, you come up shy of the Hall of Fame. But you're in of there. Of the standard, yeah. You're in there. Yeah. So that changes yeah. things. That makes that makes Mr. Sabathia a slam dunk. Is he is well check, he, he check, check out see. their stats because they're they've picked yeah. a amount of games. And 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 there's like a seven win difference, and Sabathia yeah. beats him in every other category. He really does. And and he has sixty seven wins above replacement for his right. career. I mean right. The only the third left-hander to reach uh, to achieve three thousand strikeouts. I mean, those two facets right there. You know, uh, I well, this really... and the strike the strikeouts and the and the you know three and a half ERA doesn't hurt either. Uh, no, he, it doesn't. He's, he's it had doesn't. a very good career, and for a short time, I would say for about two or three years, he was the best pitcher in baseball. Right. You know, he really was, and he yeah. was yep. pitching complete games, and so I, I I think he's absolutely a Hall of Famer. May not may not be on the first ballot, but he'll be he'll get in. Uh, so. Well, I, I think you might be surprised. He may get going on the first ballot. That, and the reason is, is because that 300 win thing is going to become diminished over time. Yeah, nobody's, and, nobody's and, ever going to get that again. And, and I say yeah. he ends up with around 260, which would be six more than Morris. Morris had 254. Yeah. So anyhow, I, just, I think that uh, he is a Hall of Famer. Uh, the 3,000 strikeouts alone would almost put him in the Hall. When you look at Clemens and Schilling, maybe Clemens shouldn't be in there, but probably Schilling should be. I hate, but I mean, you know, I hate, I yeah. dis, dislike the guy immensely, but the reality is statistically, I don't know where it was ever proven that he did steroids. Right. Am I wrong? Well, Am I missing Clemens? Yeah. No, no. I, Schill, no, Schilling. Oh, Schilling. I don't think Schilling, but Schilling, Schilling's issues are, are, are more that I think that he doesn't completely reach the standard of being a hall of famer. Whereas Clemens does, but he has other issues that sort of mitigate the the, the fact that he, Probably should be, and if he wasn't a steroid user, no, you know, no, then he, he'd be a slam dunk first ballot yeah, Hall absolutely. of Famer with yeah. all the, you know, three hundred and sixty wins. Uh, to me, that's there's no issue with with Clemens. Is his issue is 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 his behavior? It's not the, not 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 his performance. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, all right. So let's uh, move on. The, yeah. the Brewers uh, won uh, an amazing game. They beat the Mets four to three in eighteen innings. This was the fifth straight game that the Brewers had without, or sixth straight game that the Brewers had without Christian Yelich in the starting lineup. Yeah. He didn't play for five games. And then he came in, in this six X, the sixth game in the extra inning game where he pinch hit. Um, they're four, they're four and two without Yelich. Um, but I think that, you know, if he's injured, that's a big problem for Milwaukee. I think the Cubs are much, much better prepared for such uh, injuries to star players. Yeah, you know, I you I know I know what you're trying to say here, I think, but I'm not all that afraid of the Brewers. I think the the opponent of the Cubs of the team we're playing right now. Not, and, not that could be the case, and, but uh but but the other thing too is the fact that they were 4 and 2 without uh Yelich just shows you how good of that team is. I don't think, you know, basically they didn't they hardly missed them at all. Well, I think it's a small sample size. I think if he's out for any extended period of time, I think they're in trouble. I think you're right. I, I think you're right. You know, but uh, four and two, you know, you, we'll see how it works out. But it's a back issue. They say it's not serious. They didn't put him on. They didn't send him to Illinois. So, right, right. you know, but, but we'll see what happens. And speaking of players going to Illinois, uh, James Paxson of the Yankees, left-handed pitcher who they acquired from the Mariners, signing him as a free agent, he has now been sent to Illinois with a knee injury. And the Yankees, my God, I mean, they alone are killing Obamacare. They have so many players on yeah. the IL. You know? <laughs> yeah, the, the, again, I'll say this again. I talked about this last week, but I think it's very true. You have to look at the strength and conditioning coach uh, when, they, when the Yankees are getting these, this many injuries. I'm sorry. Well, it, it, something, is up. <laughs> something is up, and, and heads probably will roll. Um, you know, but it's really funny that they're staying right with the race. You know, they're really good. They're in second place. Right, and, right. 
you know, I don't know if it's Aaron Boone doing such a great job or some of the players that they're calling up have been so good. I, I don't know what it is, but it's probably a combination of both. Well, well, if they win that division, Aaron Boone is manager of the year. It could be. You know? Sanchez is starting to hit, Gary Sanchez. Yes. Yes. And so that's part of it. He, he, he was, his bat was silent for almost a year and a half, and just recently it's really started to uh, roar again. And, and he's the hitter, the hitter, that, home runs. The, yeah. the hitter yeah. that he was uh, you know, advertised to be is starting to show up. Um, but it, to me it's inexplicable. And James Paxson, by the way, that, that he, he's a big part of, of what they need to be able to win the World yeah. Series. So um, yeah. I, I would have to say if things hold up the way that they are and some of these injuries end up being wonky or end of the year for some of these players, it's over for the Yankees. It really is. And, 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 and what you said about Paxson is so true, just that the Yankees with that short right field porch must have excellent left-handed pitching to, to, to counter the other team's left-handed hitters. You know, it's, it's a big key to all of the great Yankee teams. As you go back into the past, they've always had dominating left-handed pitching. So, you know, as long as they've been at Yankee Stadium, it's critical. So, they, they can't win without them. So, so there was a, uh, an absolute wincing play that occurred oh, um, yeah. in the middle of the week, and uh, Cleveland Indians ace Corey Kluber uh, took a, a line drive off a, a, off a hitter's bat and yeah. basically sh- not, I, I don't know if it shattered his forearm, but he's got multiple. Broke it. Yeah, it broke yeah. it in a couple different places, and I think that they're fearful that there might be chips in there, and there's all kinds of issues. Um, yeah. But it just kind of shows you just how um, vulnerable a pitcher is. In the, it, it always has been, quite honestly. I'm surprised more pitchers haven't been more seriously injured regarding head injuries. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. but, but that was just – there was nothing he could have done if he saw the play. He couldn't – he reacted as, norm, as, as you possibly could. Um, and so that's a tough, tough hit for Cleveland, who I thought it already – I, I, first of all, I thought Kluber was having arm injuries going into the season, so this doesn't help. But I think no. that, that Minnesota's playing so well, which I predict, that you did predict it as well, um, Cleveland, Cleveland better go out and get Keuchel or do something. Yeah. That's what I would do if I was Cleveland. What are, That's, yeah, I wonder what yeah. your father says about all this. I know. Well, he's, he's, he's a little let down by all of this. This, this has hurt him, you know, because uh, – they had such dominating pitching, and, yeah. and Kluber, they needed him to, to sustain that. And uh, without him, I don't know if they can continue. We'll see. I mean, now you, you did say that uh, Kluber wasn't exactly at his usual high standard, but, but everybody felt that he was going to get right back there. And uh, this is a big blow to their playoff chances. And, and I think a team like uh, – I think they need to consider getting Keuchel, and I think the White Sox also have to look at this and, and think, well, maybe we have a chance – to win this division and maybe we can do something to get our fans excited and go out and get Keuchel. But, uh, but uh, you know, maybe now before the draft uh, rather than later, you know, I think it would be a good move. That, that to me, that'd be their only chance to get them because after the draft, you're going to see teams like the Yankees lining up for them. I, and I yeah, just no, you're right. I, I think that if I'm Keuchel, I'm going to the team. I think they can win it the quick, the quickest. I mean, and the Yankees make a nice case for, it. but then again, so would Cleveland. Yeah, I think think that it's you're absolutely right. If Keiko goes within the next couple of weeks prior to the pre pre the uh, the amateur draft, then uh, uh, then, you know, then it's going to be like exactly like you said, a team that had to have him to try to block. Well, well, I look at I look at the White Sox like this. I mean, if, if they decided that they wanted to be aggressive, I mean, this is the time to go get Keuchel, but, but here's what's going to happen. They're not going to sign him. They're going to wait till the draft is over. Right. They're going to make an underwhelming offer, right. and then they're going to shrug their shoulders and say, well, hey, fans, at least we tried, you know, we tried <laughs> to get him. I mean, and that's what's going to happen, and it's going to, you know, I just don't, I don't get it. Because okay, why wait, not? wait a minute now. I got to stop you here because I yeah. do think that they, in good faith, made a decent offering to Manny Machado. I think that that is not a fair criticism. But Machado, in the end, um, went with things that were outside of the money. It wasn't a, the Sox. Sox scraped together every penny they could to bring Machado to the South Side, and it was through no fault of theirs. I don't criticize them on that. I criticize them on other things, but I don't criticize them on that. They went, but what what it does say to your point though, Leo, earlier is they have the money to go after Kyle. Yeah, they definitely they do have, have the, the money. money. 
I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, now that they lost Rodon, you know, to, right. and Rodon Harper. may never pitch for the White Sox again. Right, right, right. You know, and, and so now that they've lost him, they need uh, somebody in that rotation who can get major league hitters out. I don't know if Keuchel is is going to be back to his Cy Young form. He will not. But be. I do think it would. I do think that it would provide some depth to a rotation that they're going to have to really find some players. Even now, they're going to have to find players at their AAA and Double A level to come in and and be successful. Uh, because if they don't have pitching, the whole concept of the rebuild they don't. is just, yeah, <laughs> they they're going to have to flush it down the toilet because, uh, you know, I don't know. They have, they have uh, some of the best young hitters in the game right now. Yeah. There's no doubt oh, about yeah. it, but they don't have arms. That's the bottom line. And this goes to, to Tim, you know, when you talk about young players that they have, Tim Anderson was American League Player of the Month. He's he, he was he, He's been fantastic. Yep. He's kind of cooled off a little bit. He's only hitting. 375 or 336 or something, yeah. you know what I mean? But uh, but uh, he has just been tremendous. He's been stealing bases. He's been hitting home runs. You know, he's been annoying the other team. I, I, I The White Sox are suddenly kind of interesting. You know, I, I'm kind of rooting for them. They got within one game of 500. They had consecutive walk-off games against the Orioles and then the Red Sox. And uh, it's been kind of fun. So I like sort of listening to Jason Benetti. Oh, it's, I do it's, too. It's, uh, hey, yeah. I'll tell you what. During the course of the week, I'll put the, the Sox game on. Uh, if I like who they're playing, because I don't like the yeah. Sox. So I'll typically root for whoever they're playing against or just to see an interesting baseball game. Uh, he's, the, he's, he's just the best announcer. He, he needs to be elevated to the national level is what he needs. Well, and, and he does get some national games. I mean, ESPN uses him there. Altern, alternative, you know, uh, sort of broadcasts. They put him on ESPN two for a more analytics based broadcast, which I think is good. And he's getting a lot of exposure. He's still very young, and but uh, for one so young, he's accomplishing a great deal. Not, not so. just that, but it's important to note that all great announcers. And again, you know, since I listened to Ernie Harwell when I was a kid, I, I one of the things that he was a big proponent was that you don't get emotionally involved in the game. And Jason does a really good job of delivering. You could, let's put it this way: it's hard to tell, unless when Stone engages him, that he's a White Sox yeah. fan, and he's been a White Sox fan his whole life. Right? <laughs> yeah, is, this is his is hometown da- team. It, it, dangerous for an announcer, in my opinion. It is. It is dangerous. No, that's 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 true. So, did you see what uh, Noah Syndergaard did to the Reds? Yeah. yeah. That is. Yeah. He he pitches a complete game shutout, and wins one to nothing, and he. It's a solo home run to win the game. Unbelievable. That hasn't happened in so long. Yeah, but it wasn't a Maddox. He pissed 108, no, it was not 108 a pitches. I had to check that out. Like, one to zero, two hours, 20 minutes. That has to be a Maddox. No, it was not. Close. It was not a Maddox. Close. Yeah, but, it was but, close. So getting back to Syndergaard, you know, Syndergaard has always been a really good power hitter. At, like apparently in his college or high school, I read one time where he at one point was led the team in homers and uh, – and pitching. So um, I'm not surprised that he's able to do that. What I am surprised is that he basically kind of made, that was a statement game for him. They said at the beginning of the game that, uh, right. you know, if you read that article on him, that the players yeah. were kind of tipping their hat to him and he was like growling. Whenever you see a, a, an ace thoroughbred growl, you're in big trouble. You're in big right. trouble. Right. <laughs> well, like Mickey Calloway had said, you know, cause he had struggled in the first month and Mickey Calloway said, Oh, he, he finally decided enough is enough that he's going to show who he really is. Now the Reds aren't exactly, they have an exact, you know, they're one of the worst hitting teams in baseball right now. They are. But, but, but at the same time, it's still a huge accomplishment. And uh, if the Mets sort of get it going with Syndergaard and DeGrom, they could be a big factor in that, in that NL East. Cause right now the Phillies are sort of underwhelming, you know, it, even with Harper. That, that, you know. that division is wide open and you're hundred percent right. If I'm the Mets, I'm going all in. They've got yeah. they've got two or three fairly decent starters that that could help them in a short series. So I, I but they Selman, but they are they're, missing they're some good. players. They need to be active uh, at the at the trade deadline, in my opinion. Uh, otherwise, they're making a statement that hey, we can't win it. But if you see the actives, if you see the Mets being uh, very aggressive come June and July, then you know they think they got a team that could maybe make a run in the playoffs. Well, in the Phillies, it's interesting. You know, they're booing. It didn't take long. They're booing Harper. I knew. Home. Please. Yeah. You know. I mean. Yeah. I mean, we we knew it would happen, but uh, but uh, but it's, it it has certainly happened right away. They didn't waste any time because <laughs> they, they're decided. not going to. If they put yeah. Harper's mom in the stands, they would throw snowballs yeah. at her. 
They I, would, I mean, they would. Th yeah, th yeah. Th 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 we're not talking about you know Los Angeles fans. These are yes, these are Philadelphia right. fans here, and and they're among the the worst or the toughest fans in baseball. As 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 anyone who's played there for any sport can attest, they yeah. are all over you. You know, if you don't uh, succeed, they're a bunch of drunk assholes. Let's quit. <laughs> quit let, let, let's let's call it what it is. But anyway, yeah, that's true. So, All so, right, the, so uh, the Reds decided to call up one of the top five prospects in the game, Nick uh, Senzel, yeah. Um, yeah. which maybe wouldn't normally get a uh, mention on our show. But if you saw the play that Kevin Pilar of the Giants made in robbing him of a home run either yesterday yeah. or Friday, that's the play of the year. Did, really you see, did, you, did you see Pilar lift himself, hold himself? For like a yeah. second or two, up with his up, yeah, it, that, that I'm telling you, that was an extraordinary play, and Senzel yeah. was robbed. Of he a, was of he his was first robbed. home run. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think it's great that they brought him up and they released Matt Kemp to make room for him. Right, right. You know, Matt Kemp was just, I mean, he's so done. I know, you know, but the, uh, the bat but looks it, like it weighs 50 pounds on his shoulder. That's the weirdest yeah. part. It's sad. I, it, it happens to a lot of great players. He's, it's not, he's not the first that this has happened to. I mean, he had a resurgence. You yes. Know, sort of like. Yes. like uh, it's like the, like last, the last hurrah. Yeah. It's like your cat Spike exactly. when I housed that for him. You know, <laughs> yeah, he was. That's you know, right. He just had this late surge of energy yeah. at the age of 17. Yeah. And then he finally passed. And, but that's, yeah. And, and, and I think it's good. It's good that the Reds bring this guy up. And, and it gives, uh, I think, their fans something to sort of take an interest in. Uh, I, I've been following my Reds fan friends on uh, Facebook and so on, and it seems like they're they're excited about the team, even though they're not necessarily winning. So uh, you know, but he, they gave him number fifteen, right. and I couldn't believe they right. they dissed Glenn Braggs like that. Man. Come on, <laughs> you know, gee, that, wasn't that George Foster's number? It was George Foster's number, but Glenn Braggs. It's funnier to say Glenn Braggs. Yeah, you know? oh, I know, no, I know. Braggs is very funny. I just remember Glenn Braggs breaking. He had the, the greatest body I'd ever seen on a baseball player. You know, he just had this, you know, he had a 28-inch waist, and his shoulders were just so broad. And I remember him so breaking he, he was a lot. he was a lot like us then? Yeah, a lot like us. He reminded me a lot of me, you know. <laughs> and then he, he struck out, and he broke the bat on his shoulders. He put it behind his neck and just snapped it. You know, he, he – he was one of the strongest players I'd ever seen. He just couldn't hit. You know? Right. He just could, yeah, he all, just, all the you strongest know. players you've ever seen have been like that. Big, clunky yeah. guys. That's why, like I said before, Sparky Anderson was not a proponent of lifting weights. Um, and when Lance Parrish used to do it, he, he basically said, you need to stop this because I don't want a muscle-bound baseball player. I, want, uh, I right. want a thin guy that basically can run fast. And he kept stressing that to stop bulking up. No, it does. I mean, the idea is that it stiffens you. But if you can combine the lifting by being limber, that helps. Which, you know, which I never really had a critical. problem with. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> is that, you know, you did a lot of yoga. And that's, I think, what's really helped you. Well, in between my ballet and gymnast careers, I, you yeah. know, I did a lot of yoga. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. All right. So uh, Fortnite was kicked out. It was banned from the Boston Red Sox clubhouse. Right. Do you think this is why the Red Sox got off to such a slow start? No, no. Because they, <laughs> and the reason is, is because obviously they were playing Fortnite all last year when they had one of the best seasons ever. So yeah. Fortnite is what it is. But I do think that you're starting to see some of the veterans who probably don't play Fortnite, let's be honest, right. um, yeah. starting to exert their kind of, authority within the clubhouses to say if things are starting to go wrong um, or and or Fortnite is a cancer. It's already been kicked out of, uh, I think it was Philadelphia. It's the first oh, team wow. that did it. Um, but, you know, the I, I don't think it's a bad idea. But and I and I, it's my understanding. David Price was one of the leaders of this on Boston. Wow. So, wow. That's interesting, you know, a video game, but, uh, but you know, there's nothing wrong with major leaguers acting like it. So instead of acting like kids. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the Chicago Cubs. And uh, before we get into what happened this week in the actual games, I'd like to talk about uh, how the Cubs have optioned uh, Addison Russell to AAA, even though he would be, he would, he served his 40 game suspension for domestic abuse and he could have returned to the major league roster, but they opted instead 
to let him cool his jets at AAA in Iowa. You you so. you called this um, a couple of weeks ago, and and I agreed with you at the time in the sense that I thought he would do some time uh, down uh, in AAA, but I think it actually might be a little bit of time because basically what they told him a couple of days ago is, here's a book on playing second base, learn it. Yeah, learn how to play second base because because shortstop is taken. Mm-hmm. And, and and the other thing that answers is, that answers that debate you and I had about what's going to happen. Now we know what's going to happen. Baez is not leaving shortstop. No, and he shouldn't. He right, absolutely right. should stay there. You know, and uh, and he's earned it. Yep, and, agreed. And and I think the clubhouse, the other players are behind him. You know, uh, and if Addison Russell is going to contribute to this team, he's going to have to earn his way up. Yeah. Or you know, and the other thing you have to consider is that they've been playing really well. I don't think that. I mean, who are you going to take off the roster and replace with Russell? I mean, maybe Mark Zagunas, but, you know. Here's the deal I would make with Addison. I would say, here's the deal, Addison. You need to tear the cover off the ball in the, in the minor leagues. And, I mean, I don't mean batting uh, 295. You need to be batting 340, 350 in the, in the minor leagues. Otherwise, you stay there. Yeah. Stay there at least until there's an injury where he's needed. Somebody in the infield goes down. And he has to come up and take their place. But, but I mean, if for no other reason, if he plays well in AAA, then he may become a, a trade commodity. Oh, yeah. Somebody that they could trade for a reliever. So I, I would know. be all for that. I, you know, I, I'm starting to think that you were right a couple of weeks ago when you said it's entirely possible that he may spend some protracted time in the minor leagues. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Because you're right. It's not broken right now on the Cubs. They, ha- they have a certain chemistry. And – um, the, this Kelso is a better hitter than Russell is at this point. Yeah. I hate to say it. And Bodie, Bodie is too, to a certain degree. And Bodie plays a pretty good defense. I mean, the, the Bodie's, are... oh, he's great on defense. Right. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, right. you know, and he, you know, Bodie has that sort of sense for the critical moment where he yes. has come through. Yes. Yes. You, you can't ignore that. No, you, you know? cannot. And, and Russell's only exhibited that a couple times. Granted, one of them that was in the World Series, but, you know, uh, that being said, he's 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 kind of an average hitter at this point in his career. That's really what I is. think. Um, and, and, but and, the, the big story um, really was not so much Russell coming back and going to AAA. It was the fact that um, your buddy, I think her name is Cheryl, yeah, Cheryl Ring of Fangraphs, who also happens to be an attorney, which, by the yes. way, is almost in her byline. Every, yeah, any article yeah. I've ever read about her is, says Cheryl Ring, who is also a lawyer, um, yeah. But anyway, Cheryl Ring um, was speaking to somebody, a member of the media, who alleged that the Cubs privately instructed that media person to lay off Russell, alleging and threatening reprisal like they wouldn't have access to be able to write about him anymore. If that is true, and I agree with what Theo said. Theo said, bring me the head of whatever employees did that. That's a fireable offense, he said. Yeah, but the point is, there's like three other examples where there was like implied threats and maybe they just need to get their arms around this guy, guy or gal who's doing that on the on their PR side. But if to me, come on, Chicago, you, you have enough problems with Tom Ricketts and now you're going to try to, you know, go to the, the Politburo on us. Come on. What is this? all? I know I, it does. It does sound it, it looks bad, but here's the problem. Here's the problem I have with this whole thing. And I like Cheryl Ring a great deal. I think she does tremendous work in writing about the legal aspects of the game. But my question is, well, then, if somebody's pressuring them, who is it? I want to know who it is. Who was pressured and who did the pressuring? And right now, we don't know who that is. And every beat writer I've read in the Sun-Times and the Tribune, every who, who's also come on the score, has said nobody has gone to them. Okay. Any, well, Mike, know, Mike, but, hey, Mike Gianella of Baseball Prospectus said that he has two examples of people from the media but, that spoke to him about this. So has he revealed who they are? I, no, the I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's going on in the background of the game where Theo is like calling these reports saying, give me the names. I don't know. It could be, but all I know well, he is did, yeah. there, there just yeah. seems to be a little bit more than just smoke here. Maybe, but, uh, but I would still, I need to know who is doing the pressuring and who was pressured. And until I know that, until there's corroboration, um, I, I, I have to believe this is a non-issue. 
Yeah. Now it may change. The situation may change when we do find these names out. But until then, I don't know. It just seems sort of strange. And what's also strange is, you know, I read fan graphs every day. They haven't really said anything about it. So that also kind of, you know, I don't know. But, uh, but anyway. All, all, right. all so I know is the only story they can write about Russell at this point is a good one. Because it, it's going to go one of two ways. He's either going to climb back to the major leagues, uh, thus the good story, or he's not. Yeah. <laughs> or he's not, or he's going to stay there and work hard and try and keep trying. To Again, the majors. you're not going to have the media chasing that around is what I'm telling you. No, yeah. <laughs> no. And, and I think honestly, to their credit, I think the Cubs have handled the situation with Russell very well. I mean, I, I think they could have, they probably would have been justified in releasing him. But I also think that, that, that Epstein is a pragmatic individual and yeah. he doesn't want to just lose him and get nothing in return. So, uh, right. You know. it, that's the, that's the catch 22 because nobody will take him through the normal course of negotiation, but if they get rid of him, you know, the St. Louis Cardinals will take him next thing, yeah, you know, maybe. he's starring yeah, yeah. against us. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> I, I, life, we, Leo. <laughs> that is called life. And, and Oh, how far we've come with this, you know, yeah, how, right. how, how the situation, the narrative has just changed. All right, so let's get into the week that was with the Chicago Cubs, and we'll begin with uh, a 15-inning win over the Diamondbacks last Sunday. They win 6-5. to five. It was a thriller. I watched pretty much the entire game. You know, they had all these chances to, to, to win the game. They had runners on all through the extra innings and just couldn't get anyone home. And, uh, you know, then, and then they were, the, the bullpen was brilliant. You know, they turned all these really critical double plays it was just a very, very satisfying win. Well, know? well, the story of that game was um, Tyler Chatwood. Tyler Chatwood yeah. not only pitched three or four innings of uh, uh, basically uh, uh, a shutout ball, yeah. shutout ball. He hit the critical double um, <laughs> that ended that up led, yeah. that ended up to being the, the winning run. And uh, but Chatwood in his last. Two appearances has has looked really really good. He has, and maybe the whispers are that he might replace Darvish in the rotation. I th- I think we're a while no way no from way. that happening. You know we're a long. I mean Darvish would have to just completely Darvish. You have to turn in like you know a lot of starts he, like he did. You got to give but, the, you got to give the ball to Darvish every four or five yeah. days so he works his way out of it. That's what I think. But anyway, I, I agree with you. I agree but, with but you. Chatwood, but still, Chatwood was the star yeah. on Sunday, and it kind of got lost in kind of an interest, uh, you know, a busy news week. Just how important his performance last Sunday was to that win. He was the number one star, as they say in the NHL. But it was so funny because they had gone ahead and um, gotten the first two outs in the ninth inning, and then it goes, you know, single, double, single, and right. now, you know, it, I mean. It, the 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 what do you call the 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 Diamondbacks have caught up. They have the winning run, and then Cishek, or no, it was Cishek who nearly blew the save. Exactly, he gave up. Oh, two, he gave yes. up two runs in the bottom of the uh, bottom of the fifteenth. And then when he got that save, he just was pumping his fist like man. You know, he like he just won the World Series. That was really cool. You talking about Webster? Webster? No, that's no, it was Webster. You're yeah, right. Webster, Webster got got his Sunday. very first save in the major leagues, I believe. Or certainly correct, his first correct. one with as a Cub, but uh, yeah, the, the 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 Sunday game, the, the Cubs have obviously haven't lost since that game. They haven't lost since the game the day before that. Um, right, so, which, six in a row. Correct, but but that really set it off on the right foot because they they to me they needed to kind of. I, I thought they the, the game should have been over in regulation, but regardless, we'll take it. That was an exciting win. Well, it won the series for them, and then they yeah. jetted off, you know, to Seattle. They had a day off, so that helped. Correct. That allowed them to kind of get their bullpen right again. So it was a big, big win, you know, and uh, I loved it. I loved it because it did set them on the path uh, that they're kind of on. Yeah. So then we go to Tuesday night. They win another thriller, 6-5. to five. Uh, Descalso, Rizzo, Rizzo, and Schwarber uh, hit home runs. Schwarber's was just killed. Oh yeah, I know. My God, know. he just annihilated that baseball. He went upper deck or off the facing of the upper deck and right field. I love that. And, uh, and, and then the great thing was C-Sheck showing some emotion because he's got the one run lead and he blows a, a comebacker. He makes an error on a comebacker. Yeah. And then he, he allows the runner to get to second base I know. On, a, on a bad pickoff throw. And, and he just, 
was so fired up. I loved it. I loved that game. Yes, Cechek is somewhat of a train wreck this year. Uh, you just don't know what you're going to get with him. He's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> he's been good. No, no, he's been good. For the most part, he's been good. He has had some rough outings. He's had some, and, he's and had some he trouble expect. finding the plate sometimes. Yes. But anyway. But his stuff moves so much, I still think he's yes. effective. Yes, All right. So, so they take a day off on uh, Monday. Then they're off in Seattle, and they just jump all over the Mariners, and they went 11 to nothing behind John Lester. Um, you know, again, home runs by Contreras and Rizzo, who's really starting to heat up. Uh, Baez is 0 for 4, but then he, he has a homer and two doubles. So he gets nothing for four games, Bias. Yeah. And then we'll, against the Mariners, he just explodes. Well, yeah, we'll talk you know. about Bias in a second because I got some comments about his hitting against really good pitchers. Um, anyways, Lester pitched brilliantly in that game. Yeah, that, he did. To me, the story was is that John Lester is back. And, yeah. um, and, and, he, and age, while he is slowing down slightly, he still is a formidable pitcher to 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 uh, to reckon with, and it just you know the Cubs' starting rotation, their starting pitchers right now are phenomenal. so good. Who's going to lose? What we Who's going to yeah. lose? Yeah. I mean, is it going to be Quintana? Is it going to be Cole Hamels? You just don't know. But right now they're all winning, which is great. And this is what we had expected last year when they put that rotation together. We thought, oh boy, you know, day after day, this is a rotation that is designed to win the division, yeah. and I think we're finally seeing what we had sort of expected last year, you know, but, uh, but it's, it's just, I, I love it. I can't say enough about it. So, well, so then, it's, it's, it's a pleasant surprise because that was not supposed to be the, the case. Let's, let's be. Uh, yeah. Let's be honest. Right. So, uh, so they sweep the, Mar- they sweep a two game series against the Mariners. They get another day off on yeah. Thursday and then it's back <laughs> home to, for a 10 game series beginning with the Cardinals and this series, you know, the Cardinals who are in first place and, this is a huge clash of Titans sort of matchup. And they go out there and behind Kyle Hendricks, just get a tremendous pitching performance. You know, so, so Hendricks throws ones for the ages an 81 yeah. pitch Maddox, um, a complete game shutout. He, get, he allowed four hits, only walked three hitters. That's kind of the, the unusual thing. But the reason why it was 81 pitches, because there was three or four innings there where it was pitch thrown, ball hit to the fielder, play yeah. made over yeah. and over and over again. And that's why it was only 81 pitches. But lost in all the excitement of this unbelievable performance was Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals, who – Ended up giving up three runs, but he pitched extremely well and made Baez look terrible in a couple of at-bats. Because now we know how you beat Baez, and that is to throw a slider where it goes outside the strike zone. He swings at it every time, and he misses every time. And so I just thought Baez really showed a really bad – he had a bad Friday night because he just had no plate patience whatsoever. Until that yeah. pitcher was gone. And then he actually got a hit later in yeah, the yeah, game yeah, yeah. once Flaherty was gone. But he could not hit Jack Flaherty. Um, no, he couldn't. He couldn't. And, and there are certain pitchers that are going to do that to Baez. But, uh, but when they throw him strikes, he absolutely annihilates No him. doubt about uh, it. No doubt about my it. Friend, my friend was listening to the ball game in St. Louis while he was on his mail route, mail carrier route. And he, he texted me that the Cardinals announcers thought that ahead of Rizzo's home run, uh, three-run home run, which is the big blow in the game. Yes, that uh, the announcers felt that the umpires were squeezing Flaherty. So I don't know. I, I wasn't watching it on TV either. I, but, uh, I I watched it on television, and um, he's got electrifying stuff. He's got he's a he's got way his ball. He gets up to ninety-seven, ninety-eight, where he can get you know a, a few inch variance of where the ball ends up in the catcher's zone routinely, whereas. With Kyle Hendricks, he's not a power pitcher. No, he's a no. finesse. He's more Far like Maddox it. in the sense that yeah. he, he's got to hit his location, and man, did he ever. Well, that was the first Maddox since Carlos Zambrano had one in 2009. Right. And it was also the, the fewest pitches that a Cubs pitcher's had in a Maddox since John Lever in 2001. <laughs> and the funny, thing, the funny thing is that both – Carlos Zambrano and John Lieber were at Wrigley Field that day, which was amazing. So and the uh, other one, when Hendricks did this, are you serious? Yeah, they were both in what the What are the at odds the of that? Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? What are the odds it... of that? Now, we know and then the other, Zambrano the other... is actually a hot dog vendor because he's trying to get back onto the field, right? 
Well, he's out with the Chicago dogs. Oh, the you Chicago know, relief. <laughs> I thought he was selling uh, the Chicago hot dogs. Not my yeah, bad. exactly, exactly. But uh, but you know, and the other beautiful thing, you know, when you talk about a pitcher producing a gem, yeah. you know, a gem must have facets, and this gem certainly had its share. Yeah, eighty-one pitches. That's nine pitches an inning. You know, he had fifty-four <laughs> pitches after six innings. I know it was I also know. symmetrical. Yes. You know, it really yes. was. It was beautiful, a beautiful effort. But but even Hendricks will tell you that he did get a little lucky as some hard hit balls were hit yes. right at people. There's no doubt. Know. That's the thing. The balls were hit very hard by. You know, any day that you make Goldschmidt go over four, um, that's that's a great day because remember yeah. we've got to face that guy probably a hundred times in total at bats. What do we play him? Nineteen times. Times four at bats. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, eighty yeah. at bats. Eighty to eighty to ninety at bats. Because if he hits well, he'll get more than eighty at bats. So that's anytime right. you get that's him right. over four is a good day. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And I had huge concerns about Goldschmidt facing the Cubs bullpen early on in the year. But if the starters keep pitching like they have been, you know, they really neutralized. You know, Hendricks neutralized him. Yeah, that was great. Well, so he, then, he's uh, he's zero for nine against the Cubs in both games. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that means so, he's right. due today. <laughs> yeah, he is due today. They, they, maybe they'll get the, the, the final game of the series. All right. So then that brings us to yesterday. Yeah. The third time this week that the Cubs win six to five, you Darvish <laughs> is wild early on. He falls behind five to one, but then journeyman catcher Taylor Davis, who's up from Iowa to replace the injured Victor Caratini hits his first major league home run, a grand slam. Right. To tie the game. It was a my, my friend in St. Louis is like, I've never heard of this guy. Who is this guy? Right. I loved it. It, it was awesome. It, that's the beauty of baseball. He's basically up for a coffee break. He's not a hitter. He's twenty. No. He's twenty nine years old. So this, he's up here because he can he can be an effective catcher. That and the fact know. that he loves the game of baseball. For him to yeah, hold on yeah. to his dream this long when he's basically a defensive catcher. You know what he is? He's a bullpen catcher. That's what yeah, he is. He is. He is. I mean, he's not, you know, he's probably a little bit better than that as far as a catcher, you know, but as a hitter, he's not. No, really good if, at if all. he wants to stick around the game of baseball, he needs to start learning how to coach. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and, and, and that may well be the route. I mean, as far as I know, he, you know, everybody loves this kid, but, but that, you know, walk it through him a fastball on the first pitch and he was ready. Yeah, for he it. sure was. And that was so exciting. And then Baez leads off the eighth with a home run and, and that's the difference. And now the Cubs are only a, a half game out of first in the NL central. If they win tomorrow or today, they're in first place. Just, uh, just a tremendous series. You know? Yeah. You know, the, the, the thing that kind of stuck out for me about uh, Baez, Baez kind of, really redeemed himself with that home run. And the thing, the thing that I learned about Baez is that he kind of reminds me, and I'm not suggesting anything in regards to Sammy Sosa, but when Sosa hit a lot of home runs, like Baez hits home runs. I don't know whether you've ever noticed that. Meaning he uses all fields. Baez, he does use Baez all fields. He's not like dedicated to be to to everything going over the left field wall. Oh contrary. Yeah, he's not always a pull hitter. His power often comes or, or is, is demonstrated to left, to, to right field or right center. Yeah, he, right. he made a brilliant play at shortstop yesterday. Yeah, and there's a reason why he's going to stay in the hole because he is really, really good there, man. Yeah, he is. He's got tremendous hands, a great arm. He turns the double play brilliantly. I don't know what more you can say about this. And, and he, right now, is their best offensive player. Uh, it, it, he has 11 home runs. It, it's interesting that both uh, Yelich and Baez, the one and twos for last year's MVP, are both playing well this season. Yeah, no, you're right. I just, he's, Baez is the most compelling player on the Chicago Cubs and perhaps in the National League. He's just amazing. I love watching him play. So, so the, just uh, before we get, a couple more items before we get to this week in yeah. baseball. The Cubs are, Three and two in interleague play this season, but are a uh, major league baseball best forty-two and twenty-three against the American League since twenty sixteen. Wow! Which I, I thought wow. that was kind of interesting. This is something that you've always said, and you you kind of talked about this last year was how good the Central was, not just the yeah. Cubs, but the National League Central. The rest of the Central in, yeah. in uh, interleague play, and it, and it is true. It seems like. Uh, 
you know, obviously we have to live with interleague play every single week now, which is disgusting. I, 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 if you I, think I, I, about I, I, it, but the Cubs are good yeah. at it. So anytime you see that, that's good. And then one last yeah. item is, is uh, Brandon Morrow. Um, I'm, I'm worried. He got an injection. That's never a good sign, man. Um, not only am I worried about him coming back, I'm worried about, I think his career is at risk. That's what I think. You think? Yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. That that could be the case. I don't know, but you are right about the injection. It it, it suggests that the problem is a chronic one, correct, and uh, that it'll you know it'll keep showing and up. And an injection is only a band aid. Remember? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it really is. And uh, so so I don't know. We'll see how it works out. I certainly hope he's back because you know a hundred mile an hour fastball plays out of the bullpen. So right. You know, but uh, I'm not optimistic. And do you think that they might uh, get what's his name? Not Kai Kimbrel. Kimbrel. Kimbrel, yeah. I mean, we I, talked you know, about this. I hope not. I, I, I do too. They, they need to solve the problem of, of a lack of a closer within the organization. You know, hey, if, you th- so. if you think about it, they fixed the Carl Edwards problem in my mind. I don't, I'm not throwing things at the TV anymore in the, in the later <laughs> innings. I'm serious. He'll be back, though. He'll be he, back he, this he year. Very, he, he very well may be, but I'm saying that him not pitching has been part of the success of the Cubs. Sad to say, but it's true. All right, so that moves us on to this week in baseball history. I have three events uh, I want to talk about, and I want to begin with something that happened on April 30th, 1988. Reds manager Pete Rose is suspended for 30 days and fined $10,000 for pushing umpire David Pallone after the umpire makes a delayed call that allows the eventual winning run to score in the team's 6-5 loss to the Mets at Riverfront Stadium or Synergy Field or whatever they call it. So he he shoves the first base umpire after claiming he was poked in the face. And uh, so I don't know. I mean, I I sent you the link to the incident. And you see that that Rose was, you know, kind of waving his finger and pointing his finger at Pallone. And Pallone did it back to kind of mock him. Right. And he may have touched Rose's face and then Rose shoved him. I think the the video shows that he did touch Rose. Yeah, and and, yeah. and that's not the issue because um, no. it, 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 he could have very well done it. it. It was an accident. It reminds me when my when I when we were little kids, all eight of us going to the store with my mother, and she would get in our face before we would go into the store, and she'd say stuff like, "Remember, you're my hostage. I'm not your hostage." And her nose would get right. her finger would get so close to my face without touching it. I'd be like, "That's amazing that you you can shake your <laughs> finger like that at me." Uh, but in this particular case, the umpire, I think, touched Rose. But two wrongs don't make a right. Pete, that doesn't give you no, the authority. Yeah. That gives you the, the right to push the guy. There's I a, know. So I, I thought that was a fair punishment. And I do think Rose got hit. I know why he got heated about it, because I think the guy did kind of touch him in his face. And I would have been mad, too. But you've got to control yourself, man. Yeah, you can't, you can't push. I mean, he physically pushed an umpire and, and that's just I, I can't think of any time that's ever happened you know where a manager's done that and uh so you know but it, it, well it reminds not... it reminds me a little of when Juan Marichal I think was the guy that almost took a bat to a pitcher well he, he took a bat to uh, Johnny Roseboro while he was at you know during an at-bat because <laughs> Roseboro was throwing the ball back to the pitcher and and, and trying to kind of you know, he would brush him back. Right, exactly. So, yeah, so, but that's another story for another day. No, but no, the um, reason why I bring that up is because those are aberrations in behavior. You don't, you don't yeah. see, uh, you know, managers going after um, uh, umpires. You just don't. I mean, you see, you see them getting heated, but you don't see them like pushing them or, you know, what's next, man? You're going to pull out nunchucks? <laughs> well, the other thing, too, is that since we have instant replay, these manager-umpire confrontations are fewer and farther between. You know, uh, yeah. Madden got thrown out of a game arguing for the strike zone. I think it was just a really cold night, and he just wanted to get out of the cold. Right. You know what I mean? so, <laughs> Earl, Weaver, so, Earl Weaver just wanted to have another smoke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so April 1st, 1991. Ricky Henderson passes Lou Brock to become baseball's all-time stolen base leader yep. with his 939th stolen base. Um, I, there's that image. We remember him holding the base in the air. Yeah. And he says, now I am the greatest. And everybody, you know, really, if you weren't an A's fan, I mean, you really hated Ricky yeah. Henderson back then. And, and, and what was even more delightful that day is that the headline was sort of ripped 
from Ricky's hands because later that night, Nolan Ryan pitched his seventh no-hitter. So on the same day that Ricky breaks the, the stolen base record, Nolan Ryan, the great veteran fastball pitcher, gets his seventh no-hitter, which I thought was really great at the age of 44, no less. Yeah, you know, you know I actually remember that night because we, uh, a whole bunch of us from Cody's, watched both of those things because ESPN broke in, as I recall. Yeah. Um, they certainly broke in on the Nolan Ryan thing. But I think the, actually both of those games were night games, and it's Ryan's game finished slightly later. No, um, no, no. no. The, the A's game was a day game because I remember clearly he's holding the base up, and it's the day. Got it, got it's it. It's the day. Got it. So, but, that, that, but again, my, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But, well, uh, it could be but, my memories playing tricks on me too. So, anyhow. But 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 the idea was that on Sports Center because Sports Center is where we would we would all get our highlights yeah, from, right? And that uh, Henderson was kind of knocked out of that top tier spot as uh, Ryan got the big you know hype that day for for getting the seventh no hitter. And you know at the age of forty four, you know that was amazing. He struck out sixteen hitters that night. That was that was unbelievable. But they're both extraordinary feats, both of them. Actually, yeah. Yeah. you could make the case that that. You know, uh, Ricky has a point. What Ricky did is more yeah. than just a single game. So, and 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 as much as I hated Ricky at me that too. time, <laughs> me too. I, he Ricky was the greatest player ever to lead off a baseball game. No I'm doubt, sorry. agreed. And I, agreed. And I completely changed my mind about him. I hated him at first, and then I loved him later. It's really you know? a two horse race between him and Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. May fifth. 1955, and this is the last one I'll have. The musical Damn Yankees yeah. uh, opens on Broadway. You gotta have heart. Luck be a lady. Heart. No, the best is, no, no, the that's best a, is Brando singing. Luck be a lady tonight. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's, that's guys and dolls. Yeah. You know, oh, but, I'm sorry. Uh, you're right. But, you're right. You're right. But uh, Damn Yankees is the one that features, you know, whatever Lola was. Lola okay, okay. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, no, it's a great musical. It really is. And I think that's, that's the, Gwen Verdon who actually yeah, was. That's right. It is Gwen Verdon. But uh, but they uh, but they. What's really funny is it's about uh, a Washington Senators fan who makes a deal with the devil yeah. to uh, allow his team to finally win the pennant over the Yankees. So that was uh, you know, and it's a tremendous work of uh, Broadway you know history. It really is. Well, it also uh, if you think about it, in the fifties, the Yankees dominated. Basically, yes. everybody yeah. except Yankee fans were against them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, every year in the 50s, a team from New York was in the World Series. I mean, I it's just, you know, it was either the Dodgers, the Yankees, or the Giants. Correct. You know, that was, uh, but, but most of the time, it was the Yankees. I mean, they were so good. Correct, Abundo. So many great players. Yeah, unfair, but that's the way it goes. All right. So I think we've come to the end of it. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation as always. And uh, just want to say hello to uh, our listeners. We've had a few students from uh, Kimball Middle School who've tuned in and uh, just want to say hi to you guys and thank you very much. So, all right. All right, man. Have a gr- Anything else you want to No, add? that's it. Have a great week. All right, man. Take care. Oh, no.